Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Well, if you want deeper insights on the news and elevated conversation, sorry, folks, you got Dave Noriega and Deputy Janovic in today for Boyd Matheson. Um, you'll have to, Boyd will be back on Monday for the those deeper insights. You want deep <laughs> insights? UFOs. <laughs> Dave wanted to talk about UFOs today, so we said, sure, it's Friday. Why not? <laughs> you don't want to talk about UFOs? Don't look at me like I'm the weirdo. Look, it. I did not wake up this morning thinking, oh, I get to fill in on Boyd Matheson's show and sit in his chair and I want to talk with UFOs. <laughs> but need, needless to say, uh, Dave won. Uh, he won the coin flip. So Big time. here we go. The American Airlines pilot. Remember when he called it, he reported a long cylindrical object. I mean, I would just say, hey, look, the aliens are here. He's like, it's a long cylindrical object uh, coming very close to my aircraft. Um, and the government calls them UAPs, Unidentified Aerial Phenomena. Um, we we just call them UFOs. Yeah, it's something we whisper in the dark because it's all a cover up, <laughs> Deb. It's all a cover cover up. The government they got all the secrets. It's Area Fifty One. They're not going to let us in. Uh, but this isn't the first time the pilots have seen something in the sky, right? Navy pilots over the years they've been running into these UAPs. It's rotating. My gosh, they're all going against the wind. The wind's one hundred and twenty knots to the west. Oh, thank you. We call it a tic-tac, right? That was uh, Lieutenant Colonel, Colonel Alex Dietrich. Uh, he, he was a Navy pilot who saw a tic-tac flying object about the size of his F-18 fighter jet. That's according to 60 Minutes. Let's give credit where credit's due. So he tried to take a closer look at it. Uh, it sped away. Uh, the USS Princeton caught it on radar about 60 miles away. The fact that it was caught on camera, <laughs> seen with eyeballs, with like, you know, his, his cockpit companion, you know, sitting behind him, and then it was caught on radar. I mean, something's going on, right? You think so? The, a Navy task force has investigated 144 mm. sightings. So this isn't just one crazy, you know, pilot that's on mushrooms, you know. Can I tell you about my sighting? Okay. Not right now. 
I'll, I'll tell you about my sighting in about six minutes from now. But, uh, yeah, I, for sure I thought I saw Uf, UFO until I thought through it a little more carefully. So it, it was certainly curious that the U.S. government wanted answers, right? So Senator um, Marco Rubio was the chair of the Intelligence Committee. He demanded an unclassified report. I would say that, um, uh, frankly, that if it's something of, uh, outside outside this planet, that might actually be better than the fact that we've seen some technological leap on behalf of the Chinese or the Russians or some other adversary that allows them to conduct this sort of activity. Ooh, down the rabbit hole to figure out if it was a UFO. So the report, wah, 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 inconclusive. They didn't really know what it was or wasn't. So I had a chance to talk to Jason Colavito. Oh. He's an author and researcher, has written for Esquire, New Republic, Slate, and he's here to burst your UFO bubble. Well, I think the first thing that we have to remember is that whenever somebody says we saw something we don't understand or something that seems strange, that doesn't automatically equate to space aliens. Because after all, there are many different uh, things that you can see in the sky that can cause all sorts of odd shapes, colors, um, lights, and what have you. So when somebody says, I saw something, I don't know what it is, therefore aliens, you're kind of making a leap of logic. So what we can say is that people saw something, they didn't know what they saw, it might be weird, maybe it is, maybe it isn't, we don't really know. But you can't make that leap from I don't know to therefore aliens, or you're going to end up on the History Channel with your own ancient alien spinoff show. Um, I, I think what maybe makes it so tricky for a lot of people is because, you know, when you're talking about pilots, you know, they are literal experts in flying. And when they see uh, these objects change direction, speed up, fly erratically, or at least much differently than what they are familiar with, it does kind of seem to lead some credence to, well, I mean, they are experts, right? Well, certainly they are experts in flying planes and do have a lot more experience of what is normal and what isn't normal in the sky. So when um, pilots say we had a near miss with something we don't understand, you know, that is a serious thing that deserves investigation. Um, But when you try to make some kind of positive affirmation about what that is that they thought that they saw – that's where things kind of break down because even the best trained and most experienced people can be fooled by optical illusions, by uh, just the normal uh, perception process of uh, the brain trying to make sense of an ambiguous stimulus that uh, it doesn't have a frame of reference for. So if you don't know what it is you're seeing, your brain tries to make sense of it, but does so in terms of applying uh, cultural scripts, previous knowledge, and expectations even things you've seen in movies or TV, to what it is that you're seeing in front of you. Realistically, I I think most people would be like, "Mm, I'm not buying into the alien narrative, but it's got to be something. What are some of the things it could be that maybe science explains better than, oh, aliens? (laughs) Well, personally, I would say that that the entire narrative about flying saucers and UFOs kind of revolves around this category error of taking all the different things that people encounter in the sky and try to trying to push them all into one small box. So when you have uh, objects in the sky, you have things like balloons, you have things like birds, you have things like drones, 
you have planes, both uh, commercial and military, including some that we may not know about because they're secret military projects. You even have things like uh, space rocks, uh, meteors, for example, and you also have things that uh, science has yet to fully understand. There's an argument that at least some of the uh, UFOs that people see are really uh, balls of plasma akin to ball lightning, which is something that's uh, often been hypothesized, but uh, science has yet to uh, fully confirm. So what happens is you have so many people seeing all sorts of different things, but they take all of those different things and put them all into one box labeled unknown. And so you get this broad array of potential causes and only one explanation, alien spaceship. And that's where we kind of go wrong because when you start with that assumption that you're looking for alien spaceships, everything you see kind of tries to get wedged into that one category, even though in reality you have a vast number of different causes and most of what people are seeing in the sky is probably unrelated to anything else they're seeing up there. Jason, your movie script is super boring here. <laughs> well, unfortunately, reality doesn't tend to be as fun as Hollywood. I can't remember the last time the moon crashed into the Earth, for example, but, you know, you have to make do with what you have. All your science <laughs> and stuff. <laughs> it's great. Well, I appreciate you joining me. Thank what, you. What a oh, great conversation, Dave. <laughs> That was uh, Jason Colavito. He's the author and researcher. He's written for Esquire, New Republican Slate, and he just totally burst our, uh, my UFO bubble. You caved too quickly, Deb. <laughs> you had an experience, and you're denying it. Yeah, it was probably 20 years ago. My husband and I were driving uh, through the Arizona desert, and it was dark of night. And, you know, once you get outside of the Phoenix area, you can see the night sky, lots of stars. It was beautiful. And out of nowhere came this shining light. And I think we had a sunroof on our, our used car at the time, and it just blew like a ball of fire right over our sunroof. And we looked up, and then there it was in front of our windshield. And I looked at him. And I said, aliens, it's got to be a UFO. And I had him so convinced because that's what wives do. Wait, we just convinced our husbands of what they just saw. And we went home because we were staying with my parents at the time. And we told my mom and dad and they looked at us like we were, well, <laughs> we'd lost our marbles. And I realized in that moment that it probably wasn't a UFO, that it was, in fact, either a falling star that got a little too close to us, maybe an asteroid, meteor shower. But it wasn't a UFO. We Debbie, you had an experience, <laughs> and you've denied that experience. Shame on you. Straight ahead. Uh, let's talk about another experience uh, that's pretty inexpensive right now. Have you compared the price of going to Disneyland in California to Disneyland in Paris? You're going to be shocked at what our producers discovered when they started to go down that path. Straight ahead. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. 
I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you.